Welcome to The Compliance Files, brought to you by Compliance Institute. The Compliance Files is a unique podcast series, giving you access to industry insights and key perspectives on how the evolving regulatory landscape is driving change, bringing challenge and opportunity for compliance professionals everywhere. Hello, and welcome to The Compliance Files podcast brought to you by The Compliance Institute. The Compliance Files is a unique podcast series giving you access to industry insights and key perspectives on how the evolving regulatory landscape is driving change, bringing challenge and opportunity for compliance professionals everywhere. I'm Kathy Jacobs, former president of the Compliance Institute and a compliance professional for 20 years, and it is a great pleasure for me to host this podcast. The prevailing wisdom for the last number of decades has been that the objective of enterprises is to make returns to shareholders and indeed the maximization of shareholder value. This, however, has not made for a reliable or even successful guide for behavior and decision making by boards and managers and in financial services context falls below the standard expected with the emergence of conduct risk. In addition, the environmental, social and governance agenda introduces extra complexity and a more ethical dimension to corporate decision-making. So I'm delighted to welcome as my guest today, Dr. Alan Kearns, Assistant Professor of Ethics at Dublin City University. Alan teaches a number of introductory ethics modules as well as applied ethics modules in the area of bioethics, computer ethics, and other contemporary ethical issues. Alan has also published in a number of peer-reviewed journals and has published on topics in relation to business ethics. Alan is the coordinator of the MA in Ethics and the MA in Ethics Corporate Responsibility programs. The MA in Ethics Corporate Responsibility is part of the professional development framework of the Compliance Institute and graduates who complete the MA are invited to apply for the FCY designation, which is the highest level designation of the Compliance Institute. So welcome, Alan, and uh, thank you for uh, agreeing to talk to us today on the Compliance Files. Uh, thank you, Cathy, for your kind introduction and gracious invitation to participate in this culture and ethics series. I am conscious of the fact that people listening to this podcast have huge experience in the context of the organization for which they work or in the context of their profession. I'm coming to the topics of ethics, business ethics, and culture from the perspective of an academic whose research and teaching is driven by reflecting critically on ethical issues to advance fresh thinking. So I hope that this discussion will be of interest to your listeners and present some ideas about ethics that they may have not considered up to now. Thanks, Alan. Yes. And as the first uh, podcast in this series, it's good to it's good to go back to, to basics and, and get get an af- academic perspective, actually. So if, if we start at the beginning, um, can you explain for our listeners what is ethics and what uh, part does it play in our lives? Well, what a great question to start with. If we take the first part of your question, what is ethics? Well, That is a question that has been reflected on and debated about for a very long time, stretching as far back at least to the great Greek philosophers in the fifth century BCE. And I'm happy to report that even up to today, it is still being discussed by those studying ethics 
in academics, academic settings, such as in my own university and around the world. And I am sure that as we speak, it is being asked in a classroom or lecture hall somewhere. If I were to ask the listeners of this podcast, what do they understand by the word ethics? I'm sure that they would have their own definitions, views and insights about what ethics is. Some might associate ethics with codes of behavior and some might associate ethics with personal views, beliefs and opinions about moral issues, for example. From the perspective of an academic study, Ethics is generally understood to be a reflection and an analysis of morality, moral issues and the moral life that is done in a systematic way. When we think about the word ethics, we generally think about deliberations on choices and actions from the perspective of right and wrong, good and bad. We may think about key terms such as justice, and rights, what is permissible, what ought to be forbidden. Ethics has various functions, as it were, such as providing guidance on and assessing our moral decision-making, our moral choices, and our actions. Broadly speaking, there are two major frameworks in ethical thinking. These are good-based and right-based approaches. On the one hand, good-based approaches ask questions such as, will this action bring about good in the world? The focus of this approach can be on the benefits and harms of a proposed considered action. On the other hand, the right-based approaches ask questions such as, is the action right? The focus of this approach can be on whether a proposed considered action is in keeping with a moral directive. There is a considerable depth and extensive thinking to these two broad approaches, but that is for another day. Another function of ethics is more existential, as it were, as it touches on major issues of living. To put it another way, whenever we are confronted with a tragedy or dramatic change in life, we tend to begin to think about some of the big existential questions such as, does life have any meaning? Why is there suffering in the world? I think we can all agree that the COVID-19 pandemic has thrown up many existential questions. I often hear people saying that the pandemic has made them reflect more critically on their own lives and on the direction of their lives, and that the pandemic has compelled them to realize what is really important and what is not so important. Ethics can help us to reflect on great existential questions about how we should relate to each other, how we should interact with each other, and how we ought to conduct ourselves, which can be formulated as how should people live their lives? For one great and well-known philosopher called Socrates, this was not something insignificant. If we were to translate that question, how should people live their lives within the context of an organization today, the question could be framed as, how should the organization live, exist, function? 
be. So if we are thinking about the word ethics and the context of an organization, we could see it in terms of think local, not in a negative sense, but rather in terms of ethics helping the organization to address particular moral issues and what ought to be done. In addition to that, we could think big in terms of ethics helping an organization to address more fundamental existential questions about the legitimacy of its very existence, how it operates, func functions, how it should live. Thank you, Alan, and um, some really deep insights there into the origins of ethics, which I think will really resonate with some, um, with, with many of our members actually, um, especially in relation to good based and, and, and outcomes. Um, so uh, so that, that, that was a great start to our discussion. Um, so what part does ethics play in culture? Well, if the word ethics has sparked much debate and reflection, the same can be said about the term culture. I think it can be said that the culture is the living expression, operation of an association of people's values and beliefs. If we think about what is the meaning of an organization's culture, one possible way at looking at this is to take the image of a building. The foundation of the building is the organization's values. The walls are its principles, which help to order how we interact within the organization. And the culture is how those values and principles are expressed and lived. The atmosphere within the building. That is realized through the people who work in the organization. So if we are talking about the culture of an organization, we are talking, as it is sometimes said, about the character of the organization. And ultimately, that is expressed through how the people who belong to the organization conduct themselves and interact with each other and live the organization's values and principles. When we think about the culture of an organization, we may think about an organization having a very positive culture in the sense that it really embodies and lives out its professed ethical values and principles. But we may also think about other organizations which may have a culture that is not very affirming of its workforce, a culture that may be that may not foster people's development and growth, but a culture that is closed and rather cold. The existential function, as it were, of ethics to me can focus on the living culture of the organization. How should the organization be, live, exist, brings us to the question of what kind of culture do we want for our organization? So thinking about culture helps us to think about the bigger existential question of what an ethical organization should look like. Now, I mentioned to you the great philosopher Socrates. Of course, another great philosopher is Aristotle, who is often associated with virtue ethics, which is quite popular as an ethical theory in business ethics. 
in that great masterpiece on virtue ethics, the book called After Virtue, Alistair McIntyre, and I'm paraphrasing him here, says that you have people as they are now and what they could be, and that ethics is there to enable them to move from A to B, as it were. I think that that is an interesting way of looking at the role of ethics in the culture of an organization. In other words, we have the organization's culture as it is now. We have a few of the organized culture as it could be. And the work of ethics is to enable us to move from what is the case now to what could be the case. Thank you, Alan. And I think some some really um, helpful imagery there to help leaders try and envisage what a culture, what they're, what they're aiming for and what they, they should be uh, seeking to achieve and for, for compliance officers as well. So what is the difference between ethics and culture, if there is one? Um, and, and do we need both ethics and culture? Yeah, th there is a clear distinction between ethics and culture. Ethics has a number of functions, such as to provide a, a framework to make moral choices, to evaluate actions taken, and critique moral beliefs and practices. Such beliefs and practices contribute to and make up a culture. So I would see ethics as a tool that can critique a culture and can help in shaping and reforming a culture. Sometimes we might hear the phrase that a change in the culture is necessary that may include a re-examination of the values and practices that underline that culture. And that is where the work of ethics can come into play. So do we need both ethics and culture? Well, we need ethics to critique values and practices. Do we need culture? I think that culture as a phenomenon is in some way inescapable. But the question is, what kind of culture do we want to have? What kind of culture do we want to work within? That question is not inescapable. The possible movement from what is the case to what could be is not inescapable. So the question is, do we want a good culture? And how do we realize that? What do we envisage as being a good culture? A good culture will, of course, need further teasing out for any organization. Thanks, Alan. And certainly our members and the organizations that we work in will be very familiar with um, culture and cultural change and, and examining their culture. So, so that's some some really good insights there. Um, can you talk to us a bit about what is what are business ethics? Yeah, a, a great question. And once again, if I were to ask the, the listeners of this uh, podcast what they understand by the term business ethics, I'm sure that their responses would be most interesting and very informative and at the same time quite varied. Now, given the complexity and often overlapping aspects of ethics, if I want, for example, to claim th that it's ethically right to have good working conditions, I need to be able to explain what do I mean by good working conditions. 
and what makes one action as opposed to another right in the realization of those very conditions. So ethics needs to have a certain ordering to it. And therefore we split it up into various departments, as it were. One department looks at theories of ethics to help us to make choices or to decide what is right or wrong. Another department looks at the language used in ethical discourse. For example, what do we mean by the word justice? And another department applies the theories of ethics to practical real life situations. Sometimes this department is called applied ethics. So business ethics is an example of applied ethics. It is applying ethical theories and principles to the context of business. But that is not all. It looks at, at how ethics can shape organizational practices and behavior and decision-making processes. One thing to note about these departments is that although they all play an important role, just like in an organization, all departments exist not independently in self-isolation, but with one central goal, to make the organization operate effectively and efficiently. All departments, so to speak, of ethics are ultimately connected to the goal of ethics, which always results in practical action. Wider society generally would probably say that good business ethics is, is a given. Um, but could you just, from an expert academic point of view, give us what are the advantages of business ethics? Yeah, uh, you, you will find that this question, you know, is often answered from the point of view of the reputation of an organization. In other words, that if an organization is ethical, this will have a positive impact on its reputation and therefore have a positive impact on its commercial success. Consumers may make a conscious decision that they want to buy an ethical product or buy from an ethical business that is respectful towards its workforce, towards society with which it interacts and towards the environment in which it operates. This is a kind of consequential way of looking at the advantage of business ethics. In addition, I think that if we take a broader view of what the organization is about and what it wants to achieve, then we are back to a fundamental question of its goal and whether this goal is ethical or not. In, in terms of an academic discipline, business ethics provides a space for critical and creative thinking on how organizations and leaders ought to act. It provides great opportunities to provide a necessary space and time for considered thought about ethical questions, challenges and dilemmas faced by organizations and leaders in the areas such as social responsibility, rights, the organization's responsibilities towards the environment and climate, and so on. And Alan, how do you recognize an ethical business? Yeah, I think you can approach this by a number of ways. Firstly, you could look at the product made 
or the service offered by an organization? Does it cause benefit or harm to people? It may bring some benefits to one group, but some harms to another. And of course, you would have to think about the type of harm and weigh the benefits against the harm and so forth. All of that would need to be teased out and analyzed further in more depth. Secondly, within the organization, we will have to consider how the organization treats its staff, how its staff treat each other, and how the organization treats society and the environment. Thirdly, we can recognize ethical behavior that is, for example, honest, truthful, and respectful. But it can be the case that we only recognize the need for this kind of behavior when the opposite happens. In other words, it's only when we witness unethical behavior that we begin to name the behavior that we appreciate as ethical and that we want to encourage, promote and foster in our organizations. And moving on, um, Alan, um, what are ethical dilemmas? Oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> Uh, this is really a question of, of definition of terms. Uh, not every ethical issue technically is an ethical dilemma. Uh, when you have a clash between two really and equally important ethical values, you, you have a dilemma. For example, you should tell the truth to a person who needs to know something of material consequence but you should also not hurt the same person. In some situations, by telling the truth to a person, you may hurt them. The question of what constitutes an ethical dilemma has received much discussion and reflection. We can debate the importance of each obligation in each situation. I might want to argue that truth takes priority over harm or the other way around. In terms of an organization, in the case of whistleblowing, for example, how should I deal with the issue of the value of loyalty and the value of not doing harm? Nevertheless, without getting into the permissibility of whistleblowing, the main thing here is that not all ethical issues are dilemmas. Once we are confronted with acts and choices that can bring benefits and harms, then we're in the space of the ethical. And recognizing this is a positive first step for any individual or organization. Thanks, Alan. And how is it possible to balance cultural differences and different approaches to ethics? Well, I think it is important to recognize the richness that can come to ethical reflection and debate with various approaches and cultural differences. What often advances ethical thinking is the fact that people can come to an issue with a new perspective. But there is another kind of meta-ethical question here. If I say that bribery is wrong, for example, does that mean that it's wrong at all times, in all situations? Is there any objectivity to some ethical norms or are they relative to the culture and to the time. I do think that it is important for ethics to question cultures and practices and not to just accept any type of behavior simply because it's part of a culture. 
for example, I might say that excessive drinking is part of a culture, but that doesn't mean that it cannot be ethically questioned. Thanks, Alan. And I think you bring up something that's really relevant in the organizations of our um, of our listeners that in accepting that a type of behavior just because it's part of a culture doesn't make, make it ethical. Um, that's a really good insight there. Now, turning to the question of who should be responsible for ethics within an organization. Um, is it a matter for the board and leaders in an organization or should it filter down? throughout the organization? Well, it's probably to do with human nature and our, our natural defense mechanism. But generally, whenever a mistake is made and it's recognized as a mistake, the first reaction normally is to defend oneself and blame someone else or something else. I think it is the same with ethical issues. Indeed, sometimes we blame systems um, on the one hand, this can be somewhat li limiting, as it can be that no one ends up being responsible for the mistake. And yet systems cannot be ethically responsible in the strict sense, because only human actions that are free and deliberate are open to ethical analysis. On the other hand, this idea of blaming systems perhaps has a link to the idea that we can separate people from their mistaken actions. In other words, I might give out about the mistake made by a person, but continue to uphold the character of the same person. No doubt in terms of who should be responsible for ethics within an organization, leaders have a hugely important role in terms of setting the tone of the organization and its culture. If the leader or manager doesn't care much about ethics and doesn't care much about how they treat their staff and how staff treat each other, well, that certainly can have a negative tonality for everyone. At the same time, I think that employees also have an important role to play in the ethics culture of the organization. If a particular employee isn't respectful to others, well, it is going to be difficult for any leader or manager to promote the importance of treating people with dignity. An organization may have a particular person to look after, to look after the, the ethics profile of the organization. For example, setting up a, a CSO or forum, etc. Yet, I don't think you can compartmentalize all ethics within an organization. In other words, having a CSR policy doesn't mean that ethics has been taken care of. You know, we, we've done the, the ethics training, we can move on. The ethical life of any person or any organization is a lifelong journey. There will be ups and downs, bumps in the road, dead ends, cul-de-sacs. It's a journey that cannot be compartmentalized completely, but it can be stirred in the right direction by leaders and others in various ethics roles. It is ultimately a journey that will define who people are, how they should live their lives, and will define what kind of organization it is, how it lives, how it functions. 
Thanks, Alan. I think that was a very powerful message, actually, this idea of the ethical life and it being a lifelong journey um, and that it treats every part of our life. I think that that's a very powerful image that, you, that you've given us there. And um, as we as we come to the end of our time, what are your final thoughts? If you give us some final thoughts on ethics and culture. Yeah, I think personally that subjects such as ethics, business ethics, culture are really central as they touch on values that are important for our humanity, for how we interact with each other and for how we conduct exchanges of goods and services. So to conclude, could I make a suggestion to the listeners of this podcast? May I suggest that you consider reaching out to some of the classical philosophical and ethical texts of the great philosophers in the past who have reflected profoundly on issues relating to ethics and culture. Although they may seem worlds apart from organizations and corporate environments today, that is exactly the point. In other words, they may get us to think differently regarding our day-to-day -day ways of understanding ethics and culture. As an academic, this is where I see one of the roles, as it were, of education coming into play. Education is not always there to give us answers that we expect, but to give us ways of looking at the world whereby we can find unexpected answers in unexpected places. Thank you, Alan, for, for sharing your expertise and views on this topic today. And we've had a really comprehensive look um, in our exploration of this of the topic um, for our listeners. So we've we've looked at what is ethics and, and what part it plays in, in our lives generally. Um, we've looked at ethics and culture and, and living culture. Um, we've looked at business ethics, the advantages of it, how to recognize an ethical uh, business. We've looked at ethical dilemmas and um, the cultural dimensions as well, um, and to you know board responsibility versus individual responsibility. Um, so so that's been a really comprehensive tour, Alan, for for our listeners. So so, so thank you very much for that, um, and thank you also to you, our listeners, um, of the Compliance Files podcast, which was brought to you by the Compliance Institute. I do hope, and I'm sure you did find that podcast really interesting and insightful and useful. And um, we would be very grateful if you would review or rate this podcast. And until the next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Compliance Files. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to ensure you don't miss out on future episodes. 